Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. We apologize for the huge gap between episodes, but we encountered some technical snafus in the last episode that rendered it completely unusable. So, hopefully that won't ever happen again. Gab, what are you drinking? What 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 were the technical snafus? The the technical snafus, they they yeah. uh they were us. We were the snafus. I guess uh, we shouldn't ever try to record when neither of us have anything to do the next day and just want to get drunge. Yeah, we we were a little too shwasted. We were foobar. Or, you know, we could always do a charity auction thing <laughs> where we do it, we release it to the world for, like, public humiliation, but at a price. Um, that's the only time I would be okay with that that podcast ever making it out the problem is people would pay money and then the podcast would come out and they'd be like we donated for this it's not even enjoyable in a train wreck way it's just i know i know it, it was <laughs> it was shit it was oh man gab what are you drinking oh um it's my favorite beer fest um so i went there after work and enjoyed six holiday brews uh they were just samplers so they weren't like full beers so um then came home and now i'm in some bourbon some bitters and some grenadine oh. it's a nice little holiday drink i i make for myself every once in a while how, how about you what what are you enjoying this fine evening thrice well i got turned on to this thing which is eggnog with kalua in it uh, that sounds delicious it is delicious actually I only tried eggnog for the first time last last winter, and it really it was really it, it was fairly life changing. <laughs> so it's the end of the year, and that of course means Player of the Year awards. First up, we're going to talk about U.S. Soccer's Player of the Year. What a fun trophy to hand somebody! Hand somebody who scored the most goals for the USA in a year of such competitive soccer ball. Uh, the nominees were. Mary Abigail Wambach, Sid LaRue, Lauren Holiday, Kristen Press, and Carly Lloyd. So they said they're taking into account both national and club performances, as well they should. So I, I ran the numbers, and based sheerly on goals, Wambach had 14 in 2014 so far, Sid had 9, Holiday had 2, Press had 7, and Carly Lloyd had 10. Right? But you can't just go on goals, because... You know, otherwise, then why would Lauren Holiday have been nominated at all? You have to acknowledge her important work in the midfield, both defensively and offensively. Which, you know, speaking of defensive stuff, it's kind of bullshit that no defenders ever get nominated. Becky Sauerbrunn, I think, should have been nominated this year. Becky who? Becky Sauerbrunn. Brun? Oh, Sauerbrunn. Yeah, sorry about mm -hmm. that. Well, the thing is, Wombach scored the most goals, 14, right? But... None of her goals were against a top 10 team. None of them. They were against Russia, North Korea, Switzerland, Mexico, Trinidad and Tobago, Haiti, and Costa Rica. The highest ranked team out of all those that she scored against is North Korea, which is number 11. Now, Sydney LaRue scored nine goals, but two of them were against Canada, one was against France, and one was against Japan. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, like... We all know Abby, yes, she broke a record, but she didn't have her, she didn't even have a year that would probably garner average. The thing is, when you look at the average ranking of the countries Wambach versus Sid, 
uh, scored against. So Abby's average country ranking is like 27.7, so 28 about. And the average ranking of the countries that Sid scored against is 14. So there's a, a huge difference between the quality of competition that Sid scored against versus Abby scored against. And I'm, I'm not trying to pit Sid against Abby. I'm just trying to show that you can't just go by total number of goals alone. Because Nobody of, should be voting by a total number of goals alone. Yeah. Especially for an award like this. Yeah. Um, like, I so, got... I got lectured by Ange pretty, pretty, pretty decently on Tuesday night about how uh, player of the year should be the most consistent player. Uh, and in in my opinion, if we're going by consistency, we got to be talking only about two players, Carly Lloyd and Lauren Holiday. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's between Holiday and Lloyd. Yeah, I, I think I think, you know, if we were going to do a short list. Uh, my short list would be Carly Lloyd. Um, she's been a killer for the past two years. Um, she's been a, a really good, uh, a really positive force in our midfield in developing what our attack is actually like. And she scored some pretty awesome goals this year. Uh, so if we're giving extra credit for the actual goals uh, being scored, she, she's up there. And then Lauren Holiday. Lauren Hol- Holiday only what has like two international goals this she year had, she had two but yeah was, she was so she has the two but she's had to change her role yep. um jill has asked her to step back uh play more defensive position be that number six for the team um so you can't expect her to be producing quite like carly lloyd and lauren holiday is she's a fucking beast man like i pray uh drew is not wanting to have kids anytime soon because we need her for the next two years. Um, and the player of the year takes into account club performance. And when we look at that, Lauren Holiday had eight goals and seven assists for FC Casey. And she helped get them to a championship. And Carly Lloyd had eight goals and five assists for Western New York Flash. Western New York Flash without Carly Lloyd would have been, I'm not saying they would have been dire, but they would have been much worse off. Lauren Holiday, though, didn't just take FC Casey to the championship, she was instrumental in both goals they scored. Like, yes. yeah, Amy Rodriguez scored the goals, but Lauren Holiday was the one that made those goals happen. Yeah, she sets them up and A-Rod knocked him down. Like, without Lauren Holiday, those goals might not happen. Maybe Seattle like wins. In, in- um, like in in my opinion, like yeah, we can be a bad, we can be upset or mad about Brune not even getting nominated, or like, uh, how how come we're we're paying so much attention to goal scorers and all that stuff? But Lauren Holiday is as close to a defensive player, uh, in this in this uh short list of five that we're gonna get, and she's the best all round player. Carly Lloyd, yeah, she's got this killer instinct. She works harder than everybody else. Um, um, she she's this ultimate player, but Lauren Holiday, like my hat's in her ring. The other other stats you can look out for club anyway are um, Lauren Holiday has a slight edge over Carly Lloyd in the efficiency of her shots, like goals per shot. So Lauren Holiday had about a fourteen point two percent conversion rate on shots, and Carly Lloyd had about a thirteen percent conversion rate. But <laughs> then you move on. Lauren Cheney had fourteen fouls committed. Carly had 51. And how many cards? Five yellow cards. Five. No reds this year? Well, no, I don't think she had any reds. Uh, but she did, you know, 
She hit five, so she had to reset her counter and sit out a game. I think if your vote came down to between those two, Carly Lloyd had maybe a slightly better international performance, and Lauren Holiday had a better club performance. So honestly, between the two of those, if either one won, I don't think I'd be mad. And I don't, like, even a year ago, I would have been astonished at myself for campaigning for Carly Lloyd. I, I don't even feel like it's campaigning for. Like, it's just just and right, man. She's She has shown up. Yeah, she like, has shown she up. Has, she has pulled together those consistent performances that you're just like... Since 2012. I can't not yeah. pay attention to you. Since 2012, of the Olympics about thereabouts, she was just like slumps her for losers and then went on a tear. You know what? I'm I'm fond of that little asshole weirdo. She's a little asshole she, weirdo, but she's our little asshole weirdo. She's an asshole weirdo that just worms her way into your heart where you're like, yeah, it's Carly fucking Lord, man. Get over it. I gotta admit about 40 to 45% of that, though, is her weird obsessive affection for Sam Kerr. <laughs> in a straight girl sort of way. Yeah, in a single white female kind of way. Well, at the end of the day, Carly Lloyd would deserve it. Lauren Holiday would deserve it. If it's if it comes down to Abby or Sid, uh, I will not be disappointed. I will I, I mean, I won't be angry. I'll be disappointed. You know, who the fuck votes on this? Is this the players voting themselves? Um, is this you know, anybody who's registered with U.S. soccer gets a vote. Um, it's just, it's it's one of those things where it's like legitimacy. Uh, what's the actual legitimacy and who who's watching the sport, who's paying attention, who really understands what's going on with with everything that's with everything that's happening within this team, within this uh, within the NWSL, the league that that things are actually happening in internationally. Also, yes, Abby had 14 goals. But a lot of them came in blowouts, and I'm defining blowout as a goal differential of five or more. So she got goals in games that were 7-0, 8-0, 8-0, 6-0, 6-0. When you're scoring four against Costa Rica, like Costa Rica is a decent kind of tier three team. They're ranked number 40 in the world. Like, uh, they qualified for the World Cup because of Con- CONCACAF. I, um, I did a spreadsheet. Where I actually, I weighted goal values based on country ranking. So scoring a goal against Japan, uh, I value that goal more than scoring a goal against, say, Haiti, right? Right. Or or Russia. Oh, um, come on, we built a fucking snowman! Yeah, so... You're gonna take that away? Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna take it away, I'm just gonna slightly... You're gonna, you're gonna take that away from Morgan Bryan. I'm gonna slightly devalue that goal. You are devaluing Morgan Bryan's goal. Moving on. It's not the most scientific thing, but the way I weighted it is um, I assigned values based on countries 1 to 10, 11 to 20, 21 to 30, 31 to 40, and then 41 and below, they were all valued, uh, they were all given the same multiplier because at, at that point, it's really just not, you know? Yeah. So calculating this adjusted value... Abby scored 14 goals, but adjusting according to the multiplier, her adjusted goal value is more like 9 or 10 goals. That's the value sure. in points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. With mm-hmm. Sid, she scored 9 goals, but because of the presence of like Canada, Japan, and France in her, her goal column, her goal value actually goes up to about 10 or 11. Sure. 
I mean, I can I can post the actual numbers and multipliers I use, but I think even if you just think about it, I think that sounds about right. I completely agree. I have not seen your spreadsheet, but I completely agree that uh, there should be a weighting uh, that's involved, especially when we're talking about situations where somebody's being judged or given an award based on the number of goals. You're yeah. absolutely right. In fact, everybody's if we're just doing this internationally, everybody's goal value goes down except for SIDS because nobody else scored against top 10 competition. Nobody. None of the other candidates. Lauren Holiday scored against Russia and People's Republic of China. Press scored against countries like Russia, Denmark, Haiti, Mexico. Carly Lloyd scored against... Uh, everybody scored against Russia. Switzerland, Guatemala, Costa Rica. So... Some of the countries, you know, China, Denmark, they're not exactly pushovers, but they're not France or Japan. Well, it would have been nice if somebody scored uh, against Sweden or I forget who else we lost to in the Algarve. Like, we could have used some goals then. We lost to Denmark in the Algarve. Remember that yeah, crazy 3-5 yeah. game? Had somebody else scored in, against Denmark, like, they would had anybody carried us in that game, they would have had my automatic approval. Yeah, Sid scored against Denmark at the Algarve. Yeah, but Sid can't win games all by herself. No, not all by herself. Although, although for the rain, she scored five goals, and four of those were game-winning goals. I'm just saying. But that's that's the end of yourself. That's not international competition. But yeah, Sid's adjusted goal value is the only one that goes up based on the strength of the competition that they faced. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Numbers, um, I, I still wouldn't vote for, for a player of the year, though. No, no, because it's international plus club, and there's more going on than just goal scored when, you know, looking deeper into performance and, uh, like, necessity uh, to the team. Um, Abby, Abby winning athlete of the year is going to be 100%. Uh, it's going to be self-congratulatory of U.S. soccer. Patronage or something like that. You and I agree it should be holiday or lloyd for u.s player of the year right yeah if you had to pick one which one would you pick oh boy if you had one vote and you had to vote right now right um, now right now if you had to cast your vote in this moment who would you vote for holiday or lloyd my head says holiday my heart says lloyd which is the weirdest fucking thing i've ever said and i've said some weird shit so all right if you had to vote right now right now in this moment, you're voting for U.S. Soccer Female Athlete of the Year. Okay, you know what? I'm going to go holiday because I want to give um, a little more importance to the NWSL and the NWSL final than U.S. Soccer probably will, and fuck them. Lauren Holiday, my player of the year. <laughs> I am also going holiday. Um, but I'm going holiday because of all-around athleticism and leadership and just general badassery that gr woman uh deserves all of the awards in my humble opinion yeah uh so so i think we agree our two drunk fans u.s soccer player of the year according to u.s soccer's uh shortlist we're on holiday mm -hmm. but she's not on the list for fifa's female player of the year so the shortlist is nadine kessler from germany Marta from Brazil, and Abby from the United States. And we already went over Abby's international performance this year. Which was amazing. Yeah. And Groundbreaking. Then Marta had a decent club season, 
but I don't think she necessarily did anything much internationally for Brazil, which is not her fault because Brazil didn't do much internationally as a team. She didn't play for Brazil much internationally this year. Yeah. Marta was good at Rosengard this season, but out of these three, honestly, it's it's got to be Kessler. Out of those three, yeah, absolutely. Um, who do you think is going to win? Abby. I think Abby's going to win. I, I completely agree. I was going to say, I, I think Abby is going to get it again. Um, and I think it's going to be because she was in the news the most, which is unfortunate. Oh, it's absolutely. Because yeah. Be, because it's this is the, this is one of the awards that has a lot of weight socially, has a lot of weight uh, in regards to the title, but doesn't have a lot of weight in regards to being earned for merit. It's it's a popularity contest, and it mm-hmm. has been from the beginning. And I mean popularity contest in terms of who has name recognition, because it's voted on by coaches, team captains, and media. And if you're media in some wee little 100th ranked country that has a women's soccer team but doesn't really field it and doesn't pay attention to women's soccer, who are you going to vote for? Kessler? Or are you going to pay attention to Marta and Abby Wambach, who are names that you've heard of? Right. Names that are being shoved down your throat whenever you're being brought into the women's soccer conversation. So I, I think I think it creates uh, this this FIFA Female Player of the Year creates a bigger conversation of you know if we if we look back at the last nine years of this award there are two years where the award is actually given to deserving individuals and that's the year of the women's world cup and the year of the olympics when two major international competitions are taking place um and the women's soccer is kind of on the forefront on a pedestal of sorts in those two off years it's a crapshoot it's usually rollover from the previous years or it's name recognition. And so, you know, we're, we're unfortunately in kind of the armpit of the award when uh, we're not going off of any major international competition. Like, yes, Kessler is in there because of deserving factors, but is she going to win uh, because of those factors? Probably not. And, you know, maybe hope to God she does, uh, but it's, it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, in these off years as a, as a women's soccer supporter, women's soccer fan, you just have to sit back and kind of go, well, shit, this is just now a Miss America pageant, not a who is the actual best player in the world. You mean a, a Miss World pageant, not a Miss America pageant? Yes, I'm sorry. Uh, stop uh, being so Miss Universe, a uh, Miss Universe pageant. Stop being so imperialist, Gab. I'm. I apologize. I am. You imperialist swine. I cannot apologize enough. Yeah, Kessler's performance for Wolfsburg and for the German national team. Yeah, she. I. I think she deserves to be one of the finalists. I think Lotha. So. I think Lotha should have been in the top three. Out of the other candidates, instead of Marta and Abby, I think I would have had Nao Kawasumi as one of my finalists. And then... I'm still blown away that Kim Little wasn't even on the short list. Uh, wasn't even on the long list. Yeah. Well... Like, I am just fucking blown away by that. Yeah, if people had taken NWSL more into account, I think Kawasumi definitely would have been top three. And Kim Little would have been nominated in the first place. Like, NWSL is on, it, it, they were in year two. 
Um, they need more legs to stand on. Yeah. I, I think I think it'll get there. I think they'll very soon be considered a, a top tier uh, league within the international community. But it's just one of those things where it's just like, oh my fucking god! Like, who the hell is on this committee that's putting together this this list that all of the captains and coaches and media vote for like you guys fucked up not putting kim little on that list the other finalist maybe i wouldn't have minded nilla fisher and then because i have a super giant soft spot for her lotta huilin my vote goes to kessler to win sure yeah absolutely i would love for it to not go to figureheads like abby and marta i I feel like we have to say this or or else people are gonna light the torches like who have contributed enormously to women's soccer, but this is not an award for lifetime contribution. This is it's award... not a life. It's not a lifetime achievement award. Yeah, like they it's both, this year, twenty fourteen. Marta's won it loads of times near the end when she maybe shouldn't have. Even Abby Wambach was like, Lauren Holiday should have been nominated instead of me. And if she wins and gets up there and doesn't say shit about it, I'm gonna be like, hey, remember that time when you agreed that you shouldn't have been nominated? I, I can imagine Abby winning and going up there and, and giving it to all of her teammates. Actually, um, I could imagine that because I, never let I, it be said that Abby Wambach is not generous. Right. Absolutely. I can I can see her walking up there and saying, you know, she never could have scored as many goals as she scored without all of her teammates supporting her. Because, I mean, let's be honest, she's she's in this top three. Because she was in the news so much. She was in the, the news so much because of the fucking Chasing Mia episode or, or situation that U.S. Soccer created. Like, yeah, it's a fantastic award to, to uh, it's, it's a fantastic milestone for somebody to achieve. But if we were to use your same grading structure that you used for U.S. Soccer Player of the Year for goals scored, I'm not saying that Mia Hamm, every single goal she, goal she scored was like, against Norway or against China or against, you know, other uh, strong international competition. Like Mia Hamm definitely had her share of the Russias of the Mexicos, but it would be interesting to see like what the actual goal differential would be if we were to weight them based on their current ranking in the FIFA system when the goals were scored. Honestly, if Abby wins, she should get up there and it should be like the last scene of Mean Girls when Katie breaks up the crown and gives it to all the girls because they're all spring fling queens. Wow. That's what you should do. I, I, I have not seen that movie in years. I watch it at least once a year. But yeah, I know she can't exactly break up that crystal trophy or whatever. Maybe she could. She just smash it and throw it out into the audience. She probably could. She could make it rain. <laughs> make it rain shards of really sharp crystal. It's one of the make best ideas I've ever had. The other big FIFA award going on right now is Goal of the Year, the Puskas. And one of the top three finalists is Steph Roach from Ireland. That goal was fucking ridiculous. Like, that goal was, like, the type of goal that you score in a scrimmage against your friends. Um, She's up against Rodriguez from Colombia and Van Persie from Netherlands, who both had you know, big World Cup performances this summer. So to me, that's even more astounding that she's up against these two in her little viewed by barely 100 people match on a grainy camera, 
you know, that wasn't broadcast anywhere and had to be posted online and hyped up on Twitter until it finally went viral. I mean, just think about the unlike like the odds stacked against this goal making it this far. And you know what? Vote for this goal because it honestly it is the best goal of the three. I think. Can you explain this goal to me? Like I can't watch the video. Okay, so she's at the top of the box. She receives the goal. She takes two touches on it. She essentially like volleys it to herself over her head, and then she turns real quick. And then, without the ball ever touching the ground, volleys it into the net. It's like touch, touch, kick, score. It's, it's like nobody else is on the pitch and she's just having fun. Yeah, she starts off with her back to the goal. She volleys it to herself, which allows her to turn and volley again into the back of the net. It's ridiculous. Like, it's, it's a fun goal. The Rodriguez goal is one he also receives on the edge of the box. He chests it and volleys it into the goal. The Van Persie one, come on, you gotta remember this. The Flying Dutchman goal where he... That Is weird, this the one where he's diving? That weird bunny hop kind of weird header where he just pops it up and over into the goal. Yeah. And of the three, I honestly think her shows the most skill. I'm, so that's why I'm voting for it, for best goal. I mean, yes, and, part of it is a big fuck you to all the money and hype and glitz and glamour poured into men's soccer. And I want this little homely you know, nothing production value goal to win. But, you know, on top of that, honestly, I think it's the best goal. Well, and what's interesting about this award, this is an award that comes from public voting. Yes. Um, so it comes from the fact that we can sit there and be like, ooh, this is the best goal. Like, that was how they were able to narrow it down to the top three. So I, I highly recommend going to FIFA's website. We'll link it. Checking out. We'll we'll put a link on on this podcast, but checking out all three goals, voting for your favorite, but make sure you vote. Like this is an award that basically says this is what people who care about soccer are into. Good luck, Stephanie Roach. I really hope you win. But just making it to the final three, I think, is great. Against all this competition. Against all this competition, honestly. If you go back and rewatch all the goal selections, because that's what I did before I voted, look at the men's goals. They're in front of huge crowds. They've got millions of at dollars pumped into World them. the Cup, man. Yeah. Every goal has, like, multiple angle replays and slow motion, huge crowds. And meanwhile, Roach's goal is, it's, it's, it's filmed from a distance. Just think about, just think about it. Really think about the difference between everything that went into her goal and everything that went into the men's goal. And the thing is, her goal is not necessarily an outlier. She gave a great interview where she was like, women score fantastic goals like this all the time, but nobody sees them. Hopefully, in the future, mixed lists like this will have more than one women's goal on it, which a lot of times feels like a token. Like, here, we pay attention to women's soccer. Here's your one goal that you can vote for. It's not going to win, but we include it on the list. So please be happy and shut up about it. Well, in the Olympics, we had the Heather O'Reilly goal. That was nominated for a Puskas. Yeah, in 2012. In 2013, the two women were nominated. One was Nasib. And one was Lisa Devana for that stupid bike she did. The against, bicycle she did. And then, what, it was like a 5-0 blowout of Sky yeah. FC versus the Breakers. I don't like thinking about that. 
Oh, God. But that bike, man. Shut up. That bike was so good. It was so good. Actually, I, I spoke to Mel Booth after that game, and she was like, we were just fucking shocked by it, too, because Lisa Devanna doesn't do that. That's not the type mm-hmm. of goal that she scores. And just, I guess, in this game, she was like, well, fuck it. And then went, oh, God. Speaking yes. of, so speaking of the Puskas, which is a, a mixed gender list, even though FIFA still doesn't really pay attention to the women's game, and I think includes, but they, but they're starting to, yeah, they're starting like, they're to, they're starting to, that because well, that of demand, to, man. Like, soccer published a list of most intriguing soccer players. I think it was, which is a really interesting criteria. Yeah. They, they weren't going by performance on the field necessarily, but more about, like, flair and social media presence. So it was a mixed gender list, men and women's players, and they had players like Nassib, Pino, what, Sid LaRue was on there, I think. I think Lauren Holiday Lauren was Holiday on there. Lauren Holiday was on there. Um, it was a list of, what, 25? And it was still majority male. So my question to you is... On a list like that, is that is that still even fair? Because a lot of the flair stuff seems to come from uh, the male players on social media flaunting cars, watches, clothes, lots of things, when female players just don't have the money to flaunt that kind of stuff on their social media. Their, their social media is like Starbucks coffee and the occasional nice vacation. You know, I, I think it's fair. Like, I, I think the two should be put on the same list. Um, I think there's definitely a, a space for that. Uh, that shouldn't be like, oh, your most intriguing female athlete and your most intriguing male athlete. The the ranking and the weighting and the voting that, that the, the website lays out, I think makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, it's just like, how do, does a list like this come up where Megan Rapinoe is more interesting than Sidney LaRue? That's that's my big issue with 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 this list. Uh, it's less that Megan Rapino was listed number ten or eleven or something like that. It's more why was Megan Rapino put at that position? And you know we we have more interesting women's players, and I think it just comes down to exposure and the amount of matches that all journalists are watching. Um, that aren't necessarily those flagship or those high-ranking matches. I feel like we put a lot of emphasis on social media for the women's side because that's what they have. So why don't you answer your own question here? I think doing a combined list like this kind of illustrates at the same time the disparity and the growth of women's soccer. That you, that you just have players who can be included on the list and that writers are bothering to include women on their list is good. But at the same time, the list was majority male. And a lot of the male players, they, they could go for a level of extravagance and of opulence, you know, that female players couldn't social media-wise or just, you know, personality flair-wise. Where your average NWSL player is not going to be able to compete with that. It yeah, it definitely highlighted the disparity between your average male player's life and your average female player's life. No, it definitely highlighted this, the disparity between because a lot of the male players were high flying and so were the female players. But high flying for a male player means something very different for a female player, right? Abby Wambach and Hope Solo 
are two of the players like at the top, the very top of their games in terms of endorsements and and popularity. Um, last year, Hope Solo cleared I think 1.5 million in endorsements, and Abby did 1 million. I assume they're about the same this year, and that's in endorsements. And their personal salaries were probably two, three hundred grand total between U.S. Soccer and club. And think about like even just an uh, a top level MLS player like Jermaine Jones got four point something million. Clint Dempsey is on nine nine point something million a season, I think. And then when you move to Europe, it just it blows up. It blows the fuck up. Thirty, forty, fifty million euros. Not dollars, euros. But isn't it kind of cool to have this list that doesn't necessarily take salary into account? Like, yes, it takes in it, into account um, the amount that they're able to spend on vacations and they're able to expend on auxiliary uh, sorts of things. But they're, they're not taking into account like, oh, uh, they went on this many number of vacations that cost this many millions of dollars or they earn X million of dollars doing their job. They, they're, they're now talking about more or less the appeal um, of these players and, and pitting, pitting that and, and figuring out an equation to, to identify what that appeal would account for. Like it kind of normalizes things a little bit. Um, Like it doesn't normalize it entirely. It it doesn't, it doesn't take a, a host of other factors like, what their their contribution has been to the game, what their contribution has been to the growth, um, all of these different things. But it doesn't because it doesn't take salary into account. It actually kind of normalizes things, don't you think? I think you did hit on something in that, despite the disparity in the appreciation on the like monetary and awareness level for these players, that they have the same level of, like, personality and output, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, and the difference now is that media is starting to pay attention. There have been big female soccer personalities forever. Forever. They've always, they're not just emerging now. It's just that now we're starting to pay attention. So I guess that is the nice thing about a merged list like this, where it shows that people are starting to pay. I just hope that people take away from this that, that these these women aren't outliers like oh they're they have so much personality they can be included on a list with men i think the takeaway should be oh women the women's players have big personalities too i haven't been paying attention i should pay attention more right absolutely like this is just the tip of the iceberg yeah so these these players are the players that have more flair than the player below them which is probably a dude you should be paying attention to them because I think a lot of that whole personality, like as a, as a metric thing, also depends on how much attention is paid to somebody. Because if you have ten thousand interviews with a dude and five interviews with a woman, obviously the dude's personality is going to come through more, and you can get a better sense of them. For for the most part, I mean, they might just be towing the company line, but yeah, I completely agree. At some point, you have to realize that the media is putting out there um, what's popular, what's in demand, and NWSL is getting bigger. Women's soccer is, is, you know, this next year is going to be a really big year for women's soccer. Like, I don't know if we even really understand how big of a year and how much energy and effort Fox soccer is going to put into this. Like Fox soccer is fucking 
putting the Women's World Cup draw on Fox Sports 1 on a Saturday morning four years ago, I can't even remember how the draw happened. I don't remember where I was when the draw happened. And so this, like, we're entering into a period where women's soccer is above and beyond what it was in 99. Like, yeah, 99 was a pivotal year, but I'm tired of comparing shit to 99. Like, we're entering a period where women's soccer is actually becoming normal. Yeah, it's starting to get there. I think we're at the, we are at the beginning, but I think it's starting to speed up. I think from about 19, from like 1991 to 1999, it was really slow. And then 1999 until 2011, it was a little bit faster. And now from 2011 to 2015, it's even faster. And I think from now on, every single cycle is going to get faster and faster and faster. It's not going to be a decade in between big moments. I think 2015 is going to be, I hope, bigger than 2011. And I think 2019 is going to be, so I think... Yeah, progress is is coming faster and faster and faster, and hopefully um, it's not going to be like 25 years before we see any kind of real real parity. I, I would hope within the next three or four cycles, so 12 years maybe, things really start to snowball and take off, and they, it gets to a point where more leagues are self-sustaining, and the Women's World Cup isn't such an aberration every four years. I, I, I just really hope that uh, this year um, soccer fans fall in love with women who play football. Last year's World Cup was so awesome that I think everybody just is still like latched on to football. I think, and yeah. I think, I think we're in a perfect position right now. Like the the FIFA Women's World Cup 2015 is in a great position to grab hold of that swell. And just move forward. So we won't necessarily say, you know, um, it's women's soccer, but like you're a soccer fan and you're into this because holy shit, those people who are competing are amazing athletes and they put on a really, they, they participate in a really great game. Um, I, I think, I think we're there. Like, I don't think it's going to be 12 or, or 16 years. Like I think this year, like Canada 20, 2015 is going to be a pivotal year for women's soccer i think it's gonna be pivotal but i definitely don't think we're there i think this could be the beginning this is the beginning like we've so you don't think 2000 or you don't think 99 was the beginning i think this is the beginning of like the next wave 1999 so like the first women's world cup is like 1.0 right 1999 was kind of like 1.2 or 1.3 i'm not gonna say 2.0 I think 2011 was 2.0. Sure. And then I don't know. I don't know that 2015 is 3.0. I have the feeling it it could potentially be like I think people bought in so hard to this last World Cup that they're going to follow it and they're going to fall in love and they're going to see that it's not about the diving, it's not about the drama, uh, uh, you know, more or less off the pitch. It's I, I think you're being, I think it's a little optimistic to think that we're at any next level. We're on a precipice, and it depends on national federations and teams and leagues just going on the counter, getting everybody up into the box to really capitalize on this. Other, otherwise, you know, we're just going to hit another lull, and it's going to be like that weird phase, kind of like um, around 
between like 2005 and 2008 or or like 2009 where u.s soccer was kind of in this weird doldrums you know do you remember what i'm talking about yeah yeah where where it was just like uh we kind of have a soccer program things felt like they were stalling we're kind of gonna keep doing stuff but we aren't really gonna commit yeah things felt like they stalled they kind of plateaued i think germany set a really high bar i loved what germany did with 2011 and you know what germany made a nice little profit so hopefully if we keep seeing that you know because for fifa it's about money they don't care about doing the right thing if we keep seeing, you know, women's soccer getting more and more dollars involved, I think we can we can help keep that forward momentum going. Well, I'm I'm really, really, really intrigued to be in the time machine going forward a year from now and seeing what soccer gods have to say about the most intriguing players after Fox Soccer has had a chance to do profiles on players from Colombia, players from Japan, Sweden. Yeah, Sweden. Players from Brazil. Japan. All, all of these different players that if you follow the game, you're, you, you, you've grown to know or understand, like players from Costa Rica. You know, who, who do we not even know on the international scene from a women's soccer perspective? Not because they don't play for a top-tier team, but because we just don't have a microphone in front of women's soccer players. Like, if you look at, if you look at the players who are on the list, they're players who are pretty loud. They're players who are pretty loud who also have the privilege of being loud. Absolutely. There are players who have access to media who are, you know, in a place where they can speak their minds and just be, and kind of just be the wonderful weirdos that they are. They can afford to do that. I'm just saying, like, I think I'm going to be pleasantly surprised by the players that hit my radar in the next six months. Yeah, I think there will be names emerging out of the World Cup, I hope, that people just didn't pay any attention to before. And they do now because these people have a platform. That's the nature of a World Cup. The The question is not who's going to come out of the World Cup. It's, like, will sustainable growth overall come out of the World Cup? Like, And that's, and that's something that is going to take years to define. Yeah, names and stuff are great, but... One player's amazing story in the World Cup, I don't think is going to have that much of an impact unless it's just so incredible. If it's so incredible that that player then joins a German league or a Swiss league or even the NWSL, you know, and gets people familiar with women's soccer, like, yeah, that's going to have a fucking huge impact, dude. Huge impact? I'm not sure. Within the world of women's soccer, maybe. But yeah, outside, with, you that's I, the, the medium that I'm measuring it in. Like, you bring a thousand more people to the game, that's a huge impact. No, I don't think they're going to bring people to the game. I think within the world of women's soccer, in, like, more attention will be paid. But outside, you and I are, like, hugely insulated. I, I'm well aware that my perception of women's soccer is heavily skewed because I spend so much time immersed in it and thinking about it. When I, like, stick my head up above the water and I talk to friends who don't care about soccer at all, let alone women's soccer, they're just like, you're into this, you're into such a bizarre, obscure thing. And so... Maybe maybe, maybe my insulated thing is Portland. So within women's soccer, yeah, I think things are going to blow up. But I think our metric definitely has to be, you know, average attendance. Is average attendance going to go up by 500 to 1,000 per team? That would be nice. 
that would be nice but at the same time it's they're also they also cut like temp like 10 percent of the games yeah i'm talking about like long-term effects of course short term there's going to be a, be a bump there's always a short-term bump i'm thinking we're on the cusp of something but it's going to take at least another two or three cycles for us to really see widespread impact that's my feeling Maybe well, one more cycle. Maybe one more cycle. Because by 2019, hopefully NWSL will have been in operation all those years, right? And so that's another four seasons of NWSL. And hopefully by then, we'll, we'll have expanded by at least one more team. And we'll have a pretty, a fairly stable league going with all teams returning for like four or five years in a row. No, I, I think I think the utopian I think I think the the situation that you're describing is ideal and nice and and all of those things, but I also think that capitalizing and like let's say for twenty fifteen, NWSL might not see an attendance dip when the World Cup that is happening. Um, or we see attendance staying relatively consistent. Like that to me is a win. Like, people are showing up for the game not because Alex Morgan is playing or not because of Sidney LaRue or Megan Rapino or any of the other U.S. Women's National Team players. Like, they're showing up because it's a fucking soccer game and it's your town and you show up to a match. But Yeah, it's a short-term win. I also, I also don't think that it's something that's going to take years to see a bump. We saw a bump immediately after Germany, and it still blows my mind that the owners let that leak fail. I mean, we can't say that that whether or not that bump would have been sustained after 2011, right? Because of the the whole failure thing. I think we'll yeah, we'll see a bump after 2015, but I just don't think that bump will be sustained. Yes, we'll see a bump and then it'll level off. I think when the... what, what, do you do you think it's going to level off during the Olympics? Cuz I think the Olympics is just going to help amplify it. It's going to be like a supercharger. I think, it's going to be like, all right, well, women's soccer even more. You're way more optimistic than I am. I think we're going to see a bump, and then it's going to drop a little bit. And then the Olympics will take it up, maybe not as much as World Cup did, and then it'll drop a little bit. My question will be, over the next five years, will we trend upwards overall? You, like know, what's, you, you, you know what's really fun about this conversation? What? Like, we may not be seeing eye to eye, but we're talking about a league that's going to last five more years. I mean, I, I talked about WPS like it was going to last five more years. I'm always optimistic on that level. But I feel like we've been gun-shy about openly talking about this league lasting beyond year three. We'll see how it goes this year. It's going to be amazing. We'll see how it goes. We've got a few big things coming up. Uh, there's uh, the U.S. Women's National Team is going to Brazil to compete in a tournament. Uh, we also have the Women's World Cup draw happening on Saturday at noon p.m. East Coast time. To wrap it up, congratulations to Morgan Bryan for winning um, 2014 Young Female Athlete of the Year. I think it's fairly well-deserved. Well deserved. Yeah. Well-deserved. U.S. Uh, the College Cup is on uh, oh, yeah. this weekend. You guys uh, should watch the, the semis- College Cup. I believe the semis are tomorrow on Friday, and the finals on Sunday, right before the MLS Cup. Um, so you can have a soccer-focused weekend. Yeah, watch the College Cup. Look at some of these players because they're going to be cropping up in the college draft for NWSL. I'm gonna go drink some more bourbon. Okay. Uh, and and eat eat some dinner for the first time tonight. Well, I'm on East Coast time, so I'm gonna drink some water and go to bed. 
Go to bed, you slug. Go to bed, you slug. Go to bed, you slug. Go to what? bed, you slug. What? I don't know. It's it's not an actual chant. Okay. I made that up. We are going. We are going. We are going <laughs> to bed. 